You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you carved out 25, 30 minutes and change to study the Word of God alongside of us. We're just coming out of Thanksgiving uh, vacation, and I think the danger for many of us is to leave Thanksgiving in November and then to move on into December with a list of wants and desires. But Thanksgiving isn't just a Thursday that falls in November. It's a lifestyle for us as believers. And, you know, as I've grown up in the United States, and I think this isn't just relegated to the United States, it's indicative of our culture and world at large, is that we have this uh, want and this desire for more things which ultimately leads to discontentment. And Thanksgiving really is the key to contentment. And I think many of us miss out on that. In fact, I came across this statistic to kind of frame this whole message for you. Um, Out of 7.5 billion people on the planet, and many estimates say that we're going to reach 8 billion uh, within the next year, Um, If you have a household income currently of over $34,000, you're in the top 1% of earners in the world, according to the World Bank economist Bronco Milanovic. So I just want you to think about that. Now, you're saying $34,000, I I couldn't even afford um, to sleep on somebody's sofa for that amount. And that may be true with the cost of living inside of the United States, but you got to look on a broader scale. There's roughly 360 million people in the United States. There's like almost 8 billion in the world. So think about the entire scope of this planet and the world is round, sorry flat earthers, and 8 billion people. If you make an income of over $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of earners in the whole world out of that 8 billion people. And the reason that I start by sharing this statistic is I believe it puts things into perspective. We're quick to look to our neighbor to the left and to the right and say, well, they have a new car. They have a new pair of shoes. They have, you know, a new snowmobile, whatever it is. We're in Maine, right? Snowmobiles. And, um, and then automatically we become discontent because they have something that I don't. And see, That's an insatiable appetite because there's always going to be someone that has something that you don't have. And really, it's indicative of this coveting uh, nature that's, that's imputed to us through technology, through media, through the, the spirit of this world. And so it's important that we pause, we reflect, and we take inventory of of what we actually have and to be content and to be grateful for it. Andrew Murray said this, and I love this quote, let us thank God heartily as often as we pray that we may have his spirit in us to teach us how to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts to God and keep us engaged with him. It will take our attention from ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts. I want to just highlight that 
that thanksgiving draws our hearts towards God. See, there are things that we can practice, spiritual disciplines, if you will, that draw us to the heart of God. But the contrary is true. There are things that we do, we'd call them habits, that draw us away from God. And covetousness is one of those things that draws us away from God. And it really opens us up to a myriad of different of, of things like depression, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, all of these things that we really want no part of. But covetousness opens the door just enough to allow those spirits to come into our life. But if we practice the discipline of giving God thanks, of remembering and recounting his faithfulness and his goodness, then it draws our hearts towards him instead of away from him. This is why the Apostle Paul said in Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice it says in everything, not for everything. There are things that are going to happen to us that obviously we're not going to give thanks for, but in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the adversity and the trials, we can give God thanks because of who he is. He is faithful. He is good. He redeems. And so the Bible is telling us that when we find ourselves in the perils of the storms of life, that we can anchor ourselves to God with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving draws our heart to God. I want to ask you this question, and this is a question um, that we threw out on social media, and we got a pretty big response from. And it's a question I came across one day, and it really kind of hit me right between the eyes. It said this, suppose tomorrow morning you woke up, and all you had was what you thanked God for today. <laughs> so if you woke up tomorrow and all you had was what you thanked God for the previous day. If that were the case, I'm afraid that many of us would be missing family members, friends, careers, a whole bunch of stuff. And I just think it, it puts the finger on this issue that many of us don't pause and take time to give God thanks for who he is in our life and for what he's done. There's a story in Luke's gospel, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase this because it's a long text. And it comes out of, a, it's, it's about the 10 lepers. And I'll just condense this the best I can. There are 10 lepers, and they cried out to Jesus. So lep leprosy was a, was a plague that was horrible back then. You had to stand on the outskirts of town because it was so contagious and literally parts of your body would just begin to fall off and you'd have to bandage yourself up and people would throw you the scraps and even family members because they wouldn't want to get this disease. They would push everybody out. So it was a death sentence, but it was a slow death sentence. And so there were these 10 lepers that saw Jesus and cried out to him. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests in that when they went, in the, when they, went they were cleansed. 
Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so he's going to the, he's going to the priest, saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice and fell at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. So here's the 10. And Jesus said, yeah, go, go present yourself to the priest. And so they all went to go to the priest. But then as they were walking, they were instantaneously being healed. And one of them recognized it. And he turns around and he runs back to Jesus, giving him thanks. He fell at Jesus' feet. And this is how Jesus responded. Where are the other Nine, was no one found to return and give praise to God? So the question we need to ask ourselves is, why didn't the nine return? I mean, they're lepers. They probably haven't seen some of their family members. They're on the outskirts of town. It's a death sentence. They have no future for their life. They happened to see Jesus coming by. They had heard the rumors that he was healing people. So they cried out to him. And Jesus gives them an instruction to go to the priest. And while they're walking on that journey to the priest, they recognize that they're healed. But only one went to thank God and the other nine left. I believe that these men were definitely thankful that they were healed, but they elevated the blessing of being healed above the one whom all blessings flow. What do I mean? What I mean is when they recognized they were healed, immediately they thought of all the things that they could go and do. Maybe they had a girlfriend that they lost as a result of it. Maybe they had family members that you know, they hadn't seen in decades. Maybe they had a career that was getting ready to explode, but they had to walk away from. So when they recognized they were healed, they were probably grateful, but they ran out with that blessing and went to go on to pursue their life. But only one of them had the presence of mind to thank the one who had healed them. And I think many of us can fall into this danger. We need a miracle. We need a promotion. We need a healing. We need to find that soulmate. Where's my significant other? And we pray for these things. And then when they come, we forget to give God thanks. It almost as if it draws our heart away from God when we, when we put the, the, the blessing up on a pedestal and not the one who blesses us. This is a blind spot and a danger for many of us as believers. And thankfulness to God, it draws our heart to him. See, this is an extremely dangerous line of thinking. In Romans 1, verse 21, it says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Wow. They knew God. They knew him. I know God. I can tell you anything you need to know about God. But they didn't give him thanks. And they didn't honor him. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, futile, that word, they became futile in their thinking. That's not a word that we often use. Like, what does it mean? It means incapable of producing any useful results, pointless. We were meant to display the righteousness of God. And when we become ungrateful, withholding our thanks from God, our lives become meaningless and pointless. So in other words, when we withhold thanks, 
we draw our hearts away from God and we enter into this meaningless and futile line of thinking and our hearts as a result become darkened. And we, we, we find ourselves on a path that just wants, wants, wants with this insatiable appetite that's never satisfied. And we don't find contentment because we're always on to the next thing and I need the next thing and I need the next thing and I need the next thing. And what anchors our soul is being grateful and giving God thanks and honoring Him and who He is in our lives. And it protects us from wandering off the right path. See, thanksgiving identifies God's sovereignty and faithfulness in our lives. It realigns our heart with trusting Him instead of our own strength and our own intellect. Thanksgiving, actually giving God thanks, actually exercises our faith. It showcases our faith in His character in promises and not the problem or adversity that we're navigating. So even in the midst of not having an answer or a solution to the problems that we're navigating, when we stop and give God thanks, it magnifies his faithfulness, his goodness, and his redemptive powers. And so it's a testimony to all those that are around us. Psalm 69.30 says it like this. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When we thank God, we proclaim to the world that he is our provider. So when we give God thanks, when we, right before we're about to have a meal and we hold hands, which I don't think we do enough of that anymore. You know, I, I used to love that everybody would, would hold hands. But anyway, I digress. Okay, when we give God thanks, we're proclaiming to the world that God is our provider, that he provided this meal, that he provided the roof over our head, that he provided the clothes that are on our back, that God is our provider, not our career, all right, not our gifting or our intellect, but God rather. Another translation says about Psalm 6930, says that we glorify him, when we give God thanks. I just love that. Like, we glory. When you think of glory, it's always assigned to God, right? God's glory. He's coming in his glory. And the Bible says that we can actually glorify God by giving him thanks. And every single one of us have been called to be ambassadors of God. And so by simply giving thanks, we're glorifying God. We're magnifying. So we're, we're putting on display for the whole world to see God's redemptive power, God's goodness, and God's faithfulness. Have you ever noticed as a society, though, how quickly we are, how quickly we move from Thanksgiving um, into Christmas? And not the good kind of Christmas of celebrating God's birth, but the kind of like presents, and, and I need this, and I want this. Christmas, I don't need to tell you this, every single one of you should already know, has, has got a bit hijacked. Because instead of it really being about the birth of Christ, in many circles, it's just become about getting. And really, the spirit of Christmas is about giving. God gave us his son. 
right? The wise men came and gave to Joseph and Mary so they would have enough to be able to take care of this new son that they were welcoming into the world in a stable. But somewhere along the line, it got a little bit screwy, and we came up with a list of things that we needed to have, our Christmas list. Um, I don't know if you remember as a kid, uh, maybe you didn't do this, but I know I, I've talked to many people that have. You'd write down a list of all the things that you wanted, or you'd circle in the Sears catalog the different things that you wanted, and then you'd give it to your parents. Your parents would go through, and like, maybe we can get you this or that. Um, but it's like, we have a need, and, th and this has progressively gotten, I remember when um, people would start their shopping, you know, the week after Christmas, and then it became the weekend, and then it became Black Friday, and then it became Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, at four o'clock, all the stores are opening. And it's like you're trying to push out this day of remembrance, of honoring, of giving thanks for all the blessings that are in your life and, and the one whom all blessings flow into I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. It's a dangerous mindset. So a couple of things I want to leave you with, okay, that are going to help posture your heart in such a way that Thanksgiving becomes a daily discipline. Because this is the way we've been called to live as believers. It centers our heart towards God, and it also magnifies and glorifies God to everybody in our sphere of influence. Number one, we need to start remembering. Psalm 103.2 says this, May I never forget the good things that he has done for me. Remembering is a way of jump-starting your faith by recounting the one who has begun a good work and is faithful to complete it. We must be intentional with our time. We gotta carve out time. Everybody's vying for your attention. TikTok, Instagram, social media, newspaper, the internet, everywhere. And so you have to take control of your time to think, to remember, to recount the things that God has done for you. Number two, you need to start looking for it, okay? Uh, we did this with our children. We just said, we went around the room and said, Get, you know, why don't each one of you share something that you're thankful for? And at first, you know, they, they all got around once, right? And it was real easy. And then it, they started to like draw a blank. Huh, um, what else am I thankful for? And as a parent, you're like, uh, a roof over your head, uh, clothes on your back, uh, a blanket, a bed, your toilet. You know, you can go through the whole thing. But as a child, like they haven't quite developed that because, you know, everything's been provided for them. And so I remember my father as a kid, he, one of the things he did to instill this principle, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but my father was a preacher. So yeah, I'm a PK. I was raised in the church. And um, my father used to sing this song kind of like he had like a kind of like fiddler on the roof uh, voice. He, was, he could not carry a note. He's a powerful preacher, but he could not carry a note. But he used to sing this song. I'll never forget it. Count your blessings. Count them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. And so he would sing that all the time. I mean, I remember as a little kid, we'd be like, oh, duh, don't sing that song. But now I look back on my adolescence and I'm so grateful that my dad would wake us up to that song and he would constantly like plant that seed because it, it, it caused me to take inventory of the things that I have in my life. We have to count our blessings. Many of us, 
can count our lack. We know exactly what we're missing. I need a new car. I need, a, you know, I need a better pair of shoes. I need this. I need that. We could write a list in seconds, the list of what we want for Christmas. But to count our blessings, it's a discipline that we're not accustomed to because we live in a culture that's not accustomed to giving thanks on a daily basis. So this is something that we have to excavate and cultivate in our lives. But you see, it's the key towards contentment. It's the key towards being one with God. It's a key to glorifying and magnifying God all over the world. Now, we live in a culture, going back to that statistic, in the top 1% of earners in all of the world, almost 8 billion people, where here in the United States, I know there are genuine needs, but that many of us, I would dare to say most of us, are rich but declare ourselves poor. And we declare ourselves poor not off of what we have, but by what everyone else has. Because most of us have a sofa. Most of us have a roof over our head. Most of us have food in our refrigerator. Most of us have clothes on our back. And most of those things put us in the top 1% because there are many in the world that don't have any of those things, that don't know where their next meal is coming from. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is how God instructs us to come to him. Even in Philippians, it tells us not to be anxious about anything, but with everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in our heart, present your requests to God. So God is saying, before you come to me with the list of needs, and I know that you have them, and that's okay, come with a heart of thanksgiving. And I'm just going to break that word down. It means giving thanks, which means you can't just, I'm just grateful inside my heart. It means you have to give thanks. So in order to give something, I have to release something. So I give you a word of knowledge. I speak knowledge over you. When I give you a gift, here's the gift, I'm giving it to you. I'm not like, I gave him a gift in my heart. Sometimes Christians can be so weird, dude. I'm just grateful. I'm just thank, I'm thanking God in my heart. Yeah, you, you can thank God in your heart, but you got to open your mouth as well. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And this is the one of the ways that we speak life. This is how we glorify God, by opening our mouth in giving God thanks so that others can hear. And, our, and, and so we can hear as well. But this idea of like, I'm just giving God thanks in my heart. I'm just praying inside of my heart. You have to open your mouth and you have to, it's to be like I'm worshiping in my heart. You know, and, so, and some people do that. You know, they sit and worship and people are going after it and they're like, I'm just worshiping in my heart. Which Again, I'm not going to get into semantics and I'm not going to debate theology, but what I am telling you is that you have to speak the word of God. You have to speak those thanks out loud. See, thanksgiving is the enemy of discontentment, depression, anxiety, and every ugly, every other ugly thing under the sun. Thanksgiving keeps those things at bay. It leads to a content life. 
So if you find yourself coming out of the Thanksgiving weekend and you felt like you're kind of striving or you're anxious about coming into the new month or you're stressed about coming into Christmas, I would encourage you to center yourself, remember, recount, and start counting your blessings and giving God thanks for all that he's done in and through you. But most importantly, most importantly, give God thanks for who he is, that he sent his son, he tore the veil, and he made a way for us to be an unbroken fellowship with him. This is a promise for everyone because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say the church that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What a beautiful promise. We're going to be giving thanks for that promise for all of eternity. So we can jump in on that early in the game while we're here on earth in giving God thanks. And as we do that, we magnify and glorify God to others. And so I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I've shared what you've put in my heart, and I pray that the seeds that need to be deposited would find fertile soil, that they would grow into fruition, that you would, you would by your spirit, show people how to move into a heart posture of thanksgiving, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to proclaim your goodness, your kindness, and your redemptive power everywhere that they go, that they would be quick to give you thanks in any and all situations. Lord, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much. Can't wait to see you next time. Till then, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.